You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be uh, with you this morning and to have this uh, great opportunity to, uh, to share God's word with you. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone as well. Um, it's great to be part of God's church here. And um, actually, it's a great opportunity today for me. There's an important message here, really, uh, for all of us to hear. Um, hope you're going to like this morning's message, actually, because um, so it was a bit of a challenge to me. God really challenged me through it, and he might challenge you as well. Uh, we're in the middle of this four-part series. It's called How to Find Success in 2024. And uh, it's actually, it's based on this book by uh, this guy called Omar Dujoandi, and it's called uh, Redefining Success According to Jesus. Uh, on the Cross Culture website, you can actually find uh, more information about this series, but there's also a link to uh, Omar's uh, own website, uh, where, if you like, you can buy his book if you want to, of course. Uh, but there's also other resources there around this topic, so you might be interested in, uh, in looking at that. Now, today we're going to look at this uh, particular topic of how to live a meaningful life. Because that's important, isn't it? It's important, actually, to have the end of life in mind. So let us pray. Speak, Lord, this morning, because we're your servants, we are listening. Uh, speak to our hearts and speak to each one of us individually at this moment as well, because um, we want to hear through your holy word. Help us to see your truth and help us to change our lives. Your way. Your way, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I met this uh, Christian guy once. Um, he was having uh, marriage problems. Uh, turns out actually that he'd been uh, married previously, but but that time he'd only been married for a few years and uh, actually had a child and then they got divorced. And, and then he was married again uh, some time later. Uh, this time he was married for quite a while. Um, I think it was something like 15 years or so and had two or three kids. Um, but his wife was leaving him and uh, he didn't know what to do. Uh, he'd, he wanted some pastoral advice, you know, uh, but actually been too busy to be going to any kind of church. So, so somehow I managed to get involved. Why was his wife leaving him? Well, he did own this business and uh, he spent most of his time uh, running this business of his. And uh, basically there was no time left for the wife or the children. He knew that he was giving himself to his business. He knew that his family deserved more. More than just you know the money that he was able to provide. But he just didn't seem that he could stop doing what he was doing. You know, he said that his, uh, his business, well, it wasn't quite successful enough. He, he still needed to put more time and effort and energy uh, into it. And besides, obviously, the family, you know, they needed the money for school and for the house and, you know, all that kind of stuff. He was doing it for 
the family. That's what he convinced himself. But he was doing actually what his family did not want him to do. He just couldn't see that, I think. Or maybe, maybe he didn't want to, I don't know. So let me ask you, you know, what is your purpose in life? What are you really, really living for? You know, our desire for meaning is it's such a fundamental part of human nature, actually. We all have this, this inward desire for meaning and for purpose in our lives. Because, you know, meaning gives us a sense of identity. You know, who am I? You know, where did I come from? Uh, where am I going? We all need, you know, this connection with, with something much bigger than just ourselves, don't we? What gives you meaning in your life? Um, actually, I'd like to do something a little bit different this morning. I'd like us just to take a moment, just to turn around to someone next to you. Maybe it's a family member, that's okay. Turn to someone next to you, and I want you to ask them, share with each other one main thing, maybe, that gives you meaning in your life. Uh, let's do that right now. Let's just turn around and ask the person next to us this question. Okay, I might grab your attention again. Maybe you've uh, gotten into a good conversation. Maybe you can continue that afterwards over tea and coffee as well as a little biscuit too. That would be great, wouldn't it? Now, have you ever thought... Where does this desire for meaning, I mean, where, where does that actually come from? You know, who, who where, where do we get meaning from, actually? You know, there's a couple of perspectives on this. And one perspective, actually, is uh, the atheist point of view. You know, the atheist point of view is that, you know, we are all made up of uh, a random set of chemicals and atoms that have come together over billions of years by chance, not by reason, but by chance, and uh, uh, the idea, actually, this idea that we're just, uh, you know, the product of some mindless uh, process of chance. We're just here for a moment and then gone the next. That doesn't, it's not very satisfying, is it? It doesn't give us real meaning or purpose. It doesn't give anyone, you know, a lot of hope or meaning in their lives. You know, it's a bit like, you know, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die is about as good as it gets. It doesn't give anybody much hope. So what happens when you factor God into the equation? Well, this passage uh, that we've looked at this morning from the book of Colossians, it really invites us to, to consider the eternal perspective on life. In this passage, uh, Paul wants us to, to really understand the, the absolute preeminence, the supremacy of Jesus over all of creation, over the whole universe, but also over his spiritual creation. You know, the church, that's, that's you and me. That in everything, 
Jesus would be first. Jesus, you see, he is our purpose. Jesus is the one who brings you know, meaning to our lives. That in everything, he would be the one that we look to. Jesus is the one who brings meaning. Uh, we must, we shall, we will live for Christ in our lives. And you see, meaning and purpose in life can only really come from God, the God who created us. Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. He came down to earth so that we could see God for ourselves. Understanding his preeminence over life, over all of eternity. So how can I uh, live with meaning? Well, in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells us that God made us, in fact, with eternity on our hearts. A real sense, you know, of a greater purpose. A God-given purpose, in fact. A, a mysterious longing that we have that can only be satisfied by, by having a relationship with God ourselves. We know that we were made for something, something way beyond just this physical life that we live here on earth. And as we live out God's purpose in our lives, God shows us, you know, he just shows us one step at a time. As we live for God, we live with meaning. Colossians chapter 3, it tells us that if you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are here on earth. You know, as Christians, we've, we've got this real eternal perspective. In fact, we should actually do everything that we can, uh, everything that we can get our hands on, we should use for God's kingdom. Um, not just, you know, living for this life here now. Now, I don't know if you, you know, when you walked in this morning, you may have seen this. This picture on the next slide is my car. This is a fantastic car, man. Believe me, it's a 2010 Toyota Yaris. It's got a 1.3 litre automatic motor in it. What a mean machine it is. Don't get jealous, okay? I'm sure none of you have a car quite like this one. Now, I just want you to imagine that if I went to my Yaris and I said, Mr. Yaris, what gives you meaning in your life? I mean, what, what gives you a sense of purpose and what gives you a sense of fulfilment? What makes you really wake up in the morning and get your engine going? What do you think he would say? I know, cars can't talk. This is just a bit of a metaphor. <laughs> you know what I think he'd say? He'd say, I don't know. I'm a car. I was made by people. The people that made me, they made me for a purpose. I haven't got a purpose in and of myself. 
You see, I give my Yaris purpose. I love my Yaris. You know, he got me here to church this morning. He takes me, he helps me to do my shopping. <coughs> this afternoon, he's going to take me to visit my mother. But you know, I am the one who gives my Yaris purpose and meaning. And I love my Yaris. I take care of him. I look after him. Make sure that he's you know got in good shape. The brakes are fixed. You know, gets new tires. Uh, that he's in good condition all the time. You see, God gives us purpose. And God loves us. And we can't find meaning in and of ourselves. Without God, life has no purpose. It has no meaning. It has no hope. But with God... With God, God gives us meaning. He gives us purpose and he gives us heaven as well. He made us in his very own image, in his likeness to have, to have a personal relationship with him. And we do that through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when you come to know God, you discover why, why you're here. And what really matters in life. And what your purpose is with God. Now, William Barclay, he put it like this. There are two great days in a person's life. The day that you are born and the day you discover why. Now, I know you have all experienced that first day. But I want to ask you, have you experienced that second day? The day you discover why you were born. The day that you realise that God loves you. The day you realise that you are significant to God. That by having a personal relationship with him, through Jesus, that you will live with him forever. In heaven, being part of God's eternal purpose. You know, I really hope that you have experienced that day for yourself. Uh, next, I want to look at uh, the next uh, section, which is uh, the reconciling work of Jesus Christ. Now, because of sin, because of me, you know, doing my own thing and uh, doing wrong things, um, all of us. All of us have gone away from God. And we focus on ourselves like, like we're a little God ourselves. And that's what Jesus came for. Jesus came to die on the cross in order to pay for all the wrongs that I have done. So that I can come back and have a relationship with God. With my creator. So through Jesus' death and resurrection... Through that comes forgiveness. You see, I exchange my sin for God's forgiveness. Don't try, you know, building your life on something other than God. Don't try building your life on something other than Jesus. Jesus is not just 
part of my life. Jesus is my life. Give up your small ambitions. You know, if, if all you are working for, if all that you are doing in life, if it's just about this life here, that's really small, actually. That's really small when you consider eternity, isn't it? Eternity. Have you ever thought about eternity? How long is eternity? It's a really long time. <laughs> Let me just give you an example. You know, like, for example, just, just imagine for a moment that there was this bird. And uh, every 1,000 years, this bird goes to the Sahara Desert. And when it goes there, it picks up one tiny speck, one little grain of sand. And it takes it away. Sahara Desert. It's pretty big. Nine million square kilometres. Bigger than Australia. And this bird does that until the whole Sahara is emptied of sand. No more sand left. And you know the time that it would take for that to happen would just be the very smallest fraction of all of eternity. And uh, my life is but a fraction of one of those tiny specks of sand. You know, in terms of my eternity, this life here on earth, it is really small. It is... I don't know, virtually nothing. Now, so why, why do we get so fixated on, on trying to achieve stuff here and now? Because really it means very little in comparison to all of eternity. Do not neglect God in your life. Don't neglect your relationship with him. And, and, you know, what about other people? You know, I mean, we want everyone, every person to be with us in heaven for eternity, don't we? So, you know, let's live our lives that way. Let's live with the end in mind. You know, let us have ambition. Let our ambition be, be to tell other people about Jesus too. You know, tell our friends and tell our family, uh, tell everybody that we work with. Tell everybody you meet about what's really important in life. Living with eternity in mind. And then we come to uh, verse 18. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the very firstborn from the dead, it says there. That in everything, he might be preeminent, supreme. Jesus is the beginning. He is the creator and the sustainer of all things. Not just you and me, but the whole of the universe. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? And, you know, he is the firstborn from the dead because 
Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but he rose again from the dead to show his preeminence, to show his supremacy in all things. Jesus made us, Jesus saves us, and Jesus keeps us going as well. He made us to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. You know, you know when you're really delighted in someone, when you just love them so much, then you, you can't help yourself but, but to say wonderful and great things about them. You know, you just enjoy being with them. You enjoy them all the time. And that's like uh, my wife, Gail. I love her very much. I adore her. She is, you know, it means everything to me. She is my heart's desire and my greatest joy. And I've got no problems in telling anyone and everyone how glorious she is to me. And you know, that should just be the smallest fraction of how much delight we have in God. So that we can't help ourselves but to tell other people about him and what he means to us too. So, you know, is that what we're doing with our life today? That's how we should be living, isn't it? Uh, D.L. Moody, uh, he said, Our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding in something that doesn't really matter at all. So let me ask you, you know, does what you're investing your life in today, does it matter? Is what you're investing your life today, is it going to matter tomorrow? Is it going to matter next year? And will it matter on that very, very last day of your life here on earth? And will it matter the day after that. Now let's not kid ourselves. You know, I'm a pretty weak guy. You know, we're just always preoccupied with, with things that are happening in this life today. You know, you're always thinking about money and, and status and you know, we, we like to achieve things and and let's be honest, we just like to live in luxury. <laughs> we like an easy life, we like nice holidays. We like all that kind of stuff. It's so easy, isn't it, to neglect God? Because we're preoccupied with all those other things. Yeah, let's really get our focus right. Let's live in the light of eternity. Because that's what really matters. We're to live with the end in mind. Not just, you know, the here and now. Don't be preoccupied, you know, just with temporary things. 
Heaven is our home, not this place here. That's uh, really come into focus for me over these past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, last week, my, my um, or actually the previous week, my auntie died and we had her funeral last week. My mum, uh, mum's not in great shape. It's actually her birthday today. She's going to be uh, 89 today. We're going to go and see her, but she's, um, yeah, she's quite frail, really. And then uh, last week, yeah, uh, my cousin died. And, you know, it just shows to, to me, certainly, that, that life here, it's so frail, it doesn't last forever, does it? So I want to ask you, is your life shaped for eternity? I hope you know that you have great ambitions. You know, ambitions to achieve things for God in your life. Give give your life something that really matters. You know, we want to exchange our life for something, something that lasts way beyond just this life, don't we? You, know, you don't want to sell yourself short of what you could have achieved. You know, when people, when people you live with, when people that you work with, when they see your life, you know, what exactly do they see? What do they see that you're really living for? Living with meaning means living with a passion. A passion for God. And a passion to bring other people uh, to come to know God for themselves too. I know that you've got that passion. So be passionate. You know, give Give yourself to, to God's work, you know. Get yourself into a small group, you know, where, where you can be encouraged in your Christian walk, where, where you can encourage other people as well. And, um, and as was mentioned before, you know, we can, we can get involved with some of the missionaries of our church as well. Why not? You know, we can get in touch with them. You know, there's Leslie and Sammy. Uh, there's Julian and uh, his family, his wife, his uh, wife Juliet and, and Mercy, his mum, and uh, Rachel. You know, we can get in touch with these guys, see what they're doing. You know, we we can pray for them, we can love them, we can support them in so many ways. And yes, we can get involved in people's lives too. can talk with your, with your neighbours, get involved in uh, some kind of ministry in the local area, uh, some kind of ministry here at the church. You know, we can talk with, with people who are new to our church as well. You know, get involved in people's lives so that we can get an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. You know, you've got friends and you've got neighbours and people that you know. You could ask them if they would like to read the Bible with you. I do that with people. I read, uh, often I read through the Gospel of Mark. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? What are they going to say to you? Are they going to say no? Well, they could say no. They could say, hey, you're a fool for believing in the Bible. Yes. So what? 
So what if they say that? Remember last week, uh, Andrew uh, here spoke about the story of the rich man. Uh, The rich man, he was a farmer who was magnificently rich, you know, really successful. What a success story he was. But God called him a fool. Actually, a very successful at being a fool. Because he said, that very night, your life will be demanded from you. The Bible tells us, don't fool yourselves. If you think you are wise in the things of this world, you'll have to become a fool before you are really wise. That's because, you know, God considers that the wisdom of this world is just foolishness. God knows the plans of the wise people and they end up in uselessness. You see, the rich fool died. And what did his riches do for him? When I die, I'm going to go to heaven and I'll be with Jesus. And that's the kind of fool that I want to be. I'd rather be a fool for Jesus than a fool for riches. Live your life with, with meaning, with, with, with purpose. Live your life with the end in mind. Let's pray. Lord, um, always remind us just how brief our life here on earth really is. Remind us that our days are numbered and how fleeting this life really is. You've made my life no longer than a hand's breath. My entire life is just a moment to you. I'm like a breath in your sight. I'm like a moving shadow. All my busyness and rushing around ends in nothing at all. I heap up wealth and I don't know who's going to spend it. Help me, Lord, to live to live my very short life in busyness for you. In Jesus' name.